Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts, a live bi-weekly show to help you know what to do and what's new in digital marketing for 2021 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading experts. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon and welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Startups, Ask the Experts. I'm your host, Marissa Morgan. I'm also the Business Development Manager at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, I'm excited to welcome you to today's show. Today's topic is the secrets to managing your remote e-commerce team more effectively in 2022. Our guest is an award-winning executive coach and remote team expert, and I'll be welcoming her to the show in just a moment to not only share her insights, but we'll definitely talk about this trend um, of growing remote workers, not only in, in the United States, really, but worldwide, and that has really shifted quite drastically since the pandemic started almost two years ago now. Before we get started, though, I do want to share that all of this incredible information today is brought to you by Engage. If you haven't checked out Engage, of course, I encourage you to check out the Engage website, and you can do that at Engage, that's N-G-A-G-G-E dot com. There you'll see our new modular platform, which is called Engage OS. What Engage OS does is it democratizes the power of business communication software so that early stage and small to mid-sized businesses using non-technical staff can quickly and easily build customer-facing applications at little or no cost. Engage OS consists of customizable modules that are simple enough for anyone to use on their own or combine with the click of a button but also powerful enough to drive basically the core the core thing in your business which is communication right communication with your customers communication within your teams within any business and our product also integrates easily with other systems and applications so if you're a small to mid-sized business especially if you're an e-commerce business and you want SMS WhatsApp live chat Facebook Messenger, Instagram DM, maybe you want to use Apple Business Chat, and maybe you need something like a CRM to help get things organized or help desk. We have all of those tools available for you. Check them out at www.ngagge.com. All of our modules include bots, automation, and a variety of other free productivity features. If you're ready to step up your game in 2022, Engage is here for you. You guys, check that out after today's show. And now it is time for me to introduce you to today's special guest. Her name is Shauna Morn, and she is joining us live today from Vancouver, Canada. Welcome to the show, Shauna. Now, if you don't know who Shauna is, you need to. Shauna Morn is the founder of Operate Remote. It's an accredited and award-winning executive coaching agency that empowers CEOs and their remote teams to create and build more emotionally healthy, 
I love that, engaged and sustainable organizations so that they can scale and grow with confidence regardless of locations. So Shauna began academically researching remote teams over six years ago when she was a leader in a hybrid environment, so long before the pandemic. The challenges she and her team faced propelled her to uncover the most sustainable and effective strategies for building highly functional remote-first organizations. With a background in psychology, Shauna knew that it wasn't just the processes and the strategies teams needed to be successful remotely. It was, in fact, a mindset shift. I'm so interested to hear more about this. Shauna then decided to qualify as an executive coach, and she has been helping companies around the globe, organizations like Webflow, Infinera, O2E Brands, Shell International, Enterprise Ireland, Shopify, and many more all over the world. She's helped them to... She and their and her company operate has been helping those companies and have been recognized as one of the top leadership training and coaching businesses in Europe for 2020. I'm so excited to welcome you here today, Shauna. We're excited to learn more about how to effectively manage our, our companies remotely, especially our e-commerce companies. So thank you so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you so much for having me, Marissa. It's an absolute pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today and hopefully answering some of your questions for those of you that have tuned in around remote teams, because yeah, brand new year, brand new start, lots of things to focus on over the next 12 months. Isn't that right? And I think, you know, the end of the year, we all got kind of a shell shocker as, you know, we started realizing that this, this, crazy pandemic that we thought was going to end wasn't over. Um, and so I think January has been kind of a rough month across the board. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. We're all finding ourselves back to a place where we're having to pivot yet again. So I think talking remotely, uh, talking about remote workers and the shift in remote working is an excellent topic for one of our first shows of 2022. So let's dive right into this. I'm going to share an outline in just a moment. Before I do that, though, Shauna, I, I do want to share. Um, I want to share our talk today on my page quickly. Um, if you're joining us and you are interested to continue watching our show, we do a biweekly show. Please share share this link on your page, but also don't forget to follow us and connect with us on LinkedIn. Um, this is a live broadcast. We are broadcasting to you live. I'm here in Minnesota. We know Shauna's in Vancouver, British, British Columbia. Is that British Columbia? Yes, Vancouver? it is. Yes, yes. That's right. Um, and I just shared this show right now live to our page. We've had a few changes happening with LinkedIn Live. So just a reminder, if you're just joining us right now, we're about to dive into our talk, but we do also have replays of our show in our live show library, and I'll share that at the end of the show. So if you're just joining us, don't worry. You didn't miss a thing. Welcome to today's show. Okay, Shauna, I am going to share a very interesting statistic with you to kick off our show. So Upwork, um, which is a technology company in, um, in 2020, um, they they basically put out a something called a future workforce pulse record, okay? And Upworks estimated that one in four Americans, which would be equivalent to 26.7, so almost 27% of the workforce, would be working remotely in 2021, so more than a quarter. 
and 36.2 million Americans would be fully remote by 2025, which would be an increase of almost 17 million Americans before the pre-pandemic, you know, remote working rate. I just wanted to share that statistic to start off our show because so many people either made the switch to working remotely part-time, right, during the pandemic, um, and so many more made the switch to working remote full-time um, during and now kind of, I was going to say, I was going to say post-pandemic, but I can't really say that anymore because we're kind of still in it. Not yet. Um, so this is something that we've seen that is a huge shift, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. I mean... If you haven't guessed already, remote working isn't going anywhere. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's about when I, you know, when I speak to companies and I work with companies, you know, it's it's asking them the question, are we resisting what already is and has been for such a long time? You know, if we continue to resist and continue to work towards getting back into the office any day now while I hope that happens because I hope the state of the world changes you know building your foundations and your team processes on being able to go back into the office when you've been remote for the last two years and probably will be for quite some time in the future mm -hmm. you're missing an opportunity right because I, I spoke about this today on my LinkedIn live you know, when we are working remotely, we have to optimize our environments, our processes, our mindset, as you mentioned in, in the introduction, to be remote first. And what mm -hmm. do I mean by remote first? I mean that we build our team structures, our foundations, how we do things, how we show up every day is built on the basis that we don't see each other face to face every day. And we often don't work in real time with each other. Um, so we leverage things like flexibility, like asynchronous communication, which is communication in delayed time. And if we don't do that, and this is where we're seeing a lot of the challenges come up with remote teams, if we don't embrace that and look at remote first, what we get is, well, a lot of remote team burnout, stress, People are stuck in back-to-back -back meetings all day, every day. They're overwhelmed by workloads. They're, uh, you know, having to overwork. Communication is ineffective. Collaboration is ineffective. Decisions aren't being made effectively. All of mm -hmm. these kind of bottlenecks arise when we are working in a remote environment, but we don't have our, our processes optimized. So that's the big opportunity. And you see the likes of Buffer, GitLab, Basecamp, you know, all of these kind of top remote companies that talk about remote working, they're constantly revisiting these processes and improving them. So it is a, an ongoing project in itself that serves everyone. I agree. I agree. Very excited to dive into a few pieces of your success and, and um, how you've helped companies all over the world more effectively manage their teams. So for those of you watching, I do want to share a quick outline uh, 
about Shauna's talk today. Let's take a look at this together. And for those of you listening on a podcast or a replay, I'll read this through for you. So Shauna's here to share with us the secrets to managing your remote e-commerce team more effectively in 2022. Now, it goes without saying, I think, Shauna, this can probably relate to e-commerce teams or general company teams as well. Um, remote working landscape in the midst of a pandemic employee burnout. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We'll talk about attracting talent and this idea of the great resignation, how a lot of people are leaving their companies, why they're leaving, how can remote workers um, maintain their loyalty? You know, what are the benefits of, of, of a well-managed remote worker team? And then effective remote team communication and collaboration. Shauna will share with us some of her insights on how to better communicate, how to drive better collaboration. You know, at the end of the day, there's that saying, there's no I in team. And that goes for working in an office building where you're sitting in a cubicle next to all of your coworkers. And that certainly is the case um, when you're working remote, because I think there's a lot of trust right, between companies and their employees. There's a lot of trust that needs to be there, right, for a company to feel like their employee is doing the right things and has their back and is always making decisions that are best for the company when they're at home um, versus when a company feels like they can, you know, watch all of their employees, right? Know that they're taking only a 30-minute lunch break, for instance. Know that they're using their computer properly, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of trust and it goes both ways, right? From a company to an employee and an employee to a company. So let's talk about this first idea, the remote working landscape in the midst of this, you know, employee pandemic burnout. What are some of the things that you've been, you know, witnessing and experiencing as you've been helping some of your clients? Yes. Uh, thanks, Marissa. I, I suppose when we look at remote working over the last two years, it's really important to mention that it isn't normal remote working because we are working in a pandemic. So it's not it's not normal. Pre-pandemic remote working looked very different. You know, mm -hmm. I've researched remote teams for, you know, over six years at this stage. And what I found in the data before the pandemic is that the challenges that people are facing today around remote working are very similar to the challenges that they would have faced before the pandemic. However, the challenges today are amplified completely, right? So um, one of the biggest challenges um, pre-pandemic would have been around isolation for remote workers. Now you see that in the pandemic, I mean, everybody's isolated, right? It's completely heightened. We're not able to travel. We're not able to, um, you know, go to our local coffee shops or our co-working spaces or meet our colleagues once a year at the annual retreat, right? That's all been stripped away for us, from us. So these, these challenges that we face as remote workers have absolutely been heightened, coupled with the fact that you have this wave of people who are very new to remote working. They might have had some experience in remote working, but primarily they would have worked in the office all the time. So there is a difference between being able to work remotely and being effective mm. and working remotely, right? So the people that are just working remotely that don't have those skills acquired yet are the people that are really struggling with the likes of burnout. Monster found last year that over 70% of the workforce have experienced burnout since the pandemic 
pandemic began. Now, the question then lies in, is the burnout associated with remote working or is it associated with the way the world is, right? And it's not easy for us to determine which it is. But in my experience, it is a mixture of both. However, the companies that have optimized their processes to be remote first, that build for flexibility, that focus on things like output as opposed to input, like not the nine to five, but the quality of your work every week. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are providing their teams with more flexibility in their days and in their weeks and more autonomy so that they can better look after their mental health and state should something arise for them with the state of the world. So the, the, the companies that don't have that, you know, their employees maybe watch the news and feel triggered, right? Who doesn't these days? That's why I don't watch the news anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they watch the news, they feel triggered, and then they have eight hours of meetings. So they don't even get time for a lunch break or to go for a walk or to get a bit of fresh air or to clear their head. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of both. And I think it's, you know, it's it's not only about, okay, we want to have a more productive team and we want to have a higher engaged team. If your team aren't well, if they're not emotionally healthy, if they're not working in a sustainable way, then you're never going to be able to have a highly productive team. You know, that is the core of us as human beings. We can't perform well if we're not feeling well and doing well mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. So that's where leaders need to focus and they need to understand because there's so many different root causes when it comes to burnout, mm-hmm. you know, um, they need to understand what are the root causes of burnout on within their organization. A lot of companies now, you know, they're giving mental health days and they're saying, okay, here's a budget for mental health. And, and, and while all of that is fantastic, it's not getting to the root cause. Mm-hmm. A mental health day is great, but if your team have to go back to the office the day after and they're again overwhelmed and stressed, it's never going to work, right? So we want to get into those root causes. What are those root causes? Usually I see it's, you know, maybe a lack of psychological safety. There are some issues with the company culture, you know, that hustle mentality, do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that stems down into leadership teams. Um, It's usually around lack of remote first processes, like I mentioned. So companies focusing on meetings all of the time instead of, you know, embracing flexibility and deep uninterrupted time to work. Um, It's also maybe a combination of a lack of um, skills in in emotional intelligence within the culture. So a lack of education, education and training for teams on reflecting on what works for them like we're all unique individuals and we need to understand what our limits are what our triggers are when we work at our best mm-hmm. leaders also need to be trained in this so that they can identify on their teams oh that's a red flag something's not right with marissa you know so leaders need to be equipped on how to coach teams and identify these red flags when something is wrong um so they're kind of those main in summary, those main root causes and companies need to look at what are their specific root causes? Where are these issues coming from? Because these are such great points. Yeah, these are great points you're making. And I, I think the one thing that really resonates with me as someone who right now is working remote is this idea um, really around productivity, right? Um, The idea that 
productivity needs to sometimes be measured differently or maybe all the time measured differently depending on, you know, A, what the company's expectations are, what the goals are, you know, whether they're daily, weekly, you know, just there's so many factors, right, that would go into how you measure productivity. Um, and it's that, like you said, it's that quality of the time put in versus the quantity of the time put in. These are all things that I just find fascinating. And I actually found an article right before our talk today that I was reading about remote working, and it has crazy statistics in it. So if you don't mind, I want to share this one with you because it ties right into everything that you're saying. Um, in 2021, so Upworks found in a t um, or reported that in a two-year study done by Stanford University, um, Stanford actually found an impressive increase in work productivity among people who worked from home. Um, they compared in-office employees to remote employees of a Chinese travel company, and researchers found over nine months the remote employees were 13% more productive and basically nearly put in an extra day of output every week compared to the people who were going into the office. Mm -hmm. So I think this idea that, you know, looking at the way that you're quantifying is very important. And it really doesn't matter what industry you're in. You know, we're pivoting uh, with the pandemic. Many of us are working from home. That's a huge change companies on the, on the flip side need to consider how they view productivity and how they view, um, how they measure that. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to have those conversations around productivity. Mm -hmm. I know when the pandemic started, LinkedIn and the Mental Health Association did a study uh, on remote workers and they found that on average, remote workers were clocking up an extra 28 hours a month since the pandemic started of work, which was mm -hmm. equating to about four days of work, which is huge. And that was when the pandemic started, right? So that's when we really kind of got that data that there was going to be some challenges for some people around that. So the other thing is, you know, with remote workers, when we're working from home, you know, we don't have that cut off time. We don't have that mm. commute to go home to forget about work, right? So a lot of people, and I see this, it's nearly like their mind can play tricks on them, right? The ego, the inner critic can come up and say, oh, you haven't done enough. You need to do a few more things today. So uh, I, li I like that you just mentioned the inner critic because I'm all about those sub personalities. And for mm -hmm. those of you watching saying, what did she just say? The inner critic, that's that little part of you that feels like you never do enough or you're not good enough. You're not thin enough. You're not smart enough. And we all have that little person inside of us. But I think it's interesting that you mentioned how that can come into play, especially when you can't separate from your work environment. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I find yeah. that fascinating. Yeah, I mean, well, that's people that work remotely and I coach leaders, right? So we're identifying what are the elements um, of themselves sometimes that are holding them back. Mm -hmm. And the inner critic is is a is a huge one. It's a huge one when we're working remotely. And uh, you know, when we're separated, we're isolated from our colleagues. You know, we're oftentimes working alone at home all day. We might not have, you know, had social conversations with our teams for quite some time. Um, we can start thinking things and not being able to reality test that off a colleague or somebody on our team or our leader, right? So 
what I say, it's the remote rabbit hole. When we go down that remote rabbit hole where we misinterpret information or the inner critic comes up and tells us that we haven't been productive enough and we've been procrastinating all day. So what do we need to do there? We need to educate our teams on how they can measure their productivity. And again, the focus isn't about input. Like we're really shifting our mindset across the globe around the nine to five, Mm -hmm. you know, like why should we, and I say this to my team all the time because my team are completely remote is like, you know, nine to five is gone. You know, if you have three things, three, you know, tasks you want to accomplish today, if you get them done in five hours, great. Like, fantastic. Um, why do you feel like you have to add on an extra few hours just to feel productive? And it's it's a huge, I think, mindset shift that we're all going through. Um, you know, everyone's having more awareness around that. Um, and even for me myself, you know, I, I can struggle with that sometimes myself too. So yes, redefining productivity, helping our teams understand how to measure their productivity and talk to them about the elements of productivity, the elements that affect their productivity when working from home. Talk to them about procrastination, talk to them about overworking, discuss it as a team, discuss expectations, goals, how they're measuring themselves, how they're looking at their tasks so that they can reflect back on it. Because mm-hmm. we're moving so fast, especially in fast paced environments. It's like, oh, what did I do yesterday? I don't know. I just see these 20 tasks I have to do today, you know, and then it's go, go, go. And it's like, did I do enough? So we need to re- help our teams reality test that. I have a question for you, and I'm actually going to ask this because I'm, I'm looking at your background right now. Um, as someone who made the pivot to remote working, I can sympathize, and I know many people listening to this podcast and watching live right now can also sympathize. It is very hard sometimes to turn off, right, the, the work mode. It is very hard to walk away sometimes from work when it's in your home. And I experienced that when I had my laptop, my computer, everything set up at my dining room table. Because at the end of the day, it was in view. And I always felt like, oh, I should just check my email one more time. Oh, I should just do this. Oh, did I finish that? It's almost like seeing it triggered me to jump back into work mode, even if it'd be 10 o'clock at night. And I'm just bringing this up because I've now moved all of my stuff to a studio in my lower level where it is completely out of sight. If I walk upstairs, right, at 5 p.m. or 3 p.m. and I've told myself I did everything I needed to do for the day, it makes it so much easier for me to actually not only mentally shut off, but physically shut off. So I'm just asking out of your, you know, from your experience and working with your clients, I see you right now are obviously in like a living space in your home and you may be there because of the background for being on a show. So I completely understand that. But Are there some tips like that, you know, that you share with your clients and, um, and their remote workers to, to, to help kind of buffer that, that work, work home life? Mm, Yeah. Great question. It's yeah. It's something I personally don't struggle, struggle with. Um, that's not one of my triggers that leads Mm -hmm. me to overworking, Mm -hmm. but I think that word trigger is important for people they need to understand what are my triggers and I have worked with a lot of people whose triggers were actually seeing their laptop in front of them 
And in some cases, you know, people are living in small apartments, they can't have a separate office. So, you know, one strategy actually that one of my clients um, came up with in our coaching session was to put her laptop away in a cupboard at the end of the day. So she would actually put it away and close the cupboard. Um, and that worked quite well. The other thing that I always recommend to people that can't, maybe can't stop thinking about work. So when I work with founders, especially, you know, their businesses are like their babies. They're constantly thinking about it. And for them, I always say, and for, for people that find it hard to stop thinking about work is pen and paper. So there's so much research that shows that when we put pen to paper and write something out, that it can actually help our cognitive function and help us um, think more clearly and relax so much research on that so mm -hmm. I say put it get a pen and paper you know go back to pen and paper rather than having to pick up your phone and make a note in your phone have a pen and paper there ready to go and write down all of your thoughts it's not going anywhere it's going to be there for the next day I've had founders that say to me Sean I've, I've taken the notepad to bed because I always get my best ideas just before I'm going to sleep you know, so, but, you know, previously they would have got up and maybe, you know, got on the laptop, whereas now they write it down and they can nod off peacefully knowing it's still going to be there tomorrow. So one of the, one of the questions I ask people is, you know, what are your triggers that cause you to overwork? For me personally, it's the phone. So I know that I need to, like m most weekends, yeah, most weekends I delete all the apps off my phone it's kind of it's a bit time consuming but it works I delete off all the the apps off my phone and I'll take emails off um so I'll just have my my phone for calls or text messages or whatever not that I'm on it that much at the weekend and then in the afternoon my fiance and I we put our phones away um so we'll actually turn them on do not disturb mode and leave them there and I'll make an effort not to look at them until I get at least an hour work done uh, in the morning so that's my trigger and I'm constantly experimenting with that to understand because it's obviously very important but the phones are there's something in them right there's mm -hmm. there's these algorithms that are hugely addictive um and it's that subconscious part of us that just you know anytime we have a moment it's on the phone and checking emails but we've always got one part of our mind in work we're not fully relaxing um so the question when we are presented with a trigger so this can be a helpful question for people which is when the trigger comes up so say i get a slack notification on my phone and it's 7 p.m. at night and I'm just, you know, had dinner and I'm chilling out. I asked the question to myself, if I say yes to this Slack message, what am I saying no to? And I follow that answer. So if I say yes to that Slack message, I'm saying no to being in the present moment with my fiance. I'm saying no to, you know, cuddling my dog. He hates when I'm on the phone. He pushes it out of my hand. <laughs> um, you know, I'm saying no to myself, to winding down for the evening because then I'm mm -hmm. going to be at work for, you know, I'm going to be thinking about work. I'm going to be in that loop cycle for the next at least probably an hour. Then I'm going to be saying no to that book I wanted to read. I'm going to be saying no to a good night's sleep because I'm going to be probably thinking about work when I go to bed. And then I'm probably going to be saying no to my morning. 
the next morning and no to myself because I'm going to feel tired because I didn't have a good night's sleep. So we can go on and on, but follow, follow that and keep following it, you know, and for some people, it's enough if they're saying no to themselves, but for others, it can be helpful to think about other people as well. Like, are you saying no to your family? Are you saying no mm, to your mm-hmm. kids because you're not present with them? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you're saying no to? So that can really help us because between the stimulus and the choice, there is a space. And in that space, we have uh, a choice. Um, so, yeah, that's Victor E. Frankel that says that. And that's one of my favorite quotes around that. That, that, that is such a great tip, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it goes again both ways. If you are, you know, the manager, the boss, um, <clears throat> Think twice, right? When you are managing and working with your remote teams about texting them after five or six p.m. right during the week, because again, that is such um, that time is sacred, and you know, so many of us want to spend it with our families. We want to be able to unplug, if you will. And you're right; you do say no to so many other things when you don't say no to the text message, to the email, to the phone call, to the last minute conference call, to the all these things. And I know I am so wired, generally like a wired person that it just takes the smallest thing and then I can't let it go. Mm-hmm. And and like that email or that text um, at seven or eight or nine at night, boom, then you're right. I'm not relaxed for the rest of the time and I can't stop thinking about it. So that's mm-hmm. a really good tip. Let's talk a little bit, um, Shauna, about this idea of attracting talent and the great resignation. Um, what are your thoughts and what has been your experience on that specific, um, topic? Yeah. Uh, so the great resignation, I mean, I'd be interested to hear from people in the comment section, you know, have they experienced the great resignation either themselves or within their companies? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are, if you haven't heard about it, you know, do go look it up and see the numbers. I don't have any specific data on it recently, but you know a lot of people are leaving their jobs in search of other opportunities and the the way we're kind of seeing it now is that for the first time in such a long time employees have and the talent the workforce have a lot of the power Mm -hmm. and really it comes down to those companies that have invested heavily in creating amazing places to work and an amazing employee experience Mm -hmm. and the companies that are yet again experiencing burnout on their teams that are running a really stressful environment they're the companies that are losing people Mm -hmm. because they're going to these companies that have created these amazing employee experiences so when it comes to attracting talent You know, if you haven't already started to look at what are you as a company providing outside of just salary, outside of just monetary incentives, Um, you know, what if you are a remote company, then employees are going to be looking at what's the flexibility like? How Mm -hmm. much autonomy do I have? Mm -hmm. Um, How am I supported at home? How is my mental health supported at home? Um, what are the fun events and the social events that we do? Um, you know, these are all things that remote employees want and they are getting. So companies now are really forced 
they don't want to lose all their best people. And if they want to continue to attract the best people, they're being forced to revisit this whole employee experience and prioritize that above most things because, you know, we can't get where we want without, without an amazing team behind us. So I think it's, I think it's a hugely positive thing because it's going to change the way that we work forever. And, you know, we don't want mediocre anymore, right? Like, and that's the other thing, employees, especially you need to look at the different kind of generations that, that you want to attract into your company. Look at Mm -hmm. what those generations typically value. Everyone's going to be different. Of course, we don't want to, you know, put everybody in their generation category but it can be a good way to a good exercise to look at how is your organization meeting the desires wants and needs of that generation Mm. so for example gen z's you know there's I've, i've written a couple of posts about it how they um really value purpose so there's a huge value on purpose now Mm -hmm. um you know it's not just about the salary or the benefits it's about being somewhere that's actually making a difference in the world a positive change in the world so you know I've worked with companies that might say you know I don't know like we have a I don't know a pen company how are we changing the world and you know your pen might not change the world but what you do as a company, as an organization, where you spread your light can change the world, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having maybe different charities that you get give back to, having it, you know, having your team decide which charity they feel most passionate about, bringing that charity in on a continuous basis can help kind of bring in that purpose that we are doing something bigger than just pens, right? Just pens, right, so right. That, that makes me think, by the way, of Tom's shoes, for example where it's the idea, it's a shoe company. How can a shoe company change the world? Well, their business model did. Buy a pair of shoes, and now we're going to gift a pair of shoes to someone in need, right? It's just such an incredible business model, and many other businesses have followed suit and have made huge differences in the lives of the less fortunate of our world. So such a good point. Who doesn't want to work somewhere like that? Yeah, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. I I pulled up a statistic while you were chatting about the great resignation. Let me see if I can um, pull it back up here. Well over 20 million people quit their jobs in the second half of 2021. Mm -hmm. They're calling it the big quit or the big great resignation. And what what this interesting article says, um, it's just by CBS, is that the pandemic brought this moment of reflection for everybody. And you just kind of talked about that a little bit in terms of different generations and what their needs are. People are asking, what do I want to do? What makes my heart sing, right? Um, If this isn't for me anymore because I lost my job during the pandemic or, you know, I didn't, I realized I wasn't passionate about my job, then what is for me? Um, So I think these are all a lot of questions that so many of us are asking ourselves. So it is really important, like you shared for companies to think of their offering to an employee as much more than salary, like you said. They really have to think about it as this well-rounded gift, this package. Mm-hmm. Why would somebody accept this, this gift? Mm-hmm. Is it really a gift or is it just like, hey, here's your salary. Uh, you're going to do what I say. You're going to say as I do. And yes, you can work from home, but I need you logged on your computer from nine to five. That doesn't sound great, right? Even mm-hmm. if I get to be at home. So I think companies do have to really consider um, – 
approaching talent, if they want good talent to be, their their package needs to be very well thought out, very well rounded, and it does need to factor in things like you said, like mental health, flexibility, mm-hmm. um, more than um, more than just the flexibility of working from home. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting you brought up social events too, because you know things are still a little wonky in our world, right? We can all admit that. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean we don't miss being social. And if there is an opportunity for a company to host an event between its employees or or its clients and some of its employees, if if your employees and the people invited feel like it's a safe opportunity to connect, I think we're all going to want to do that. And we are going to want to say yes. Mm-hmm. I just went out to dinner last night for the first time in like three weeks. And three Mm -hmm. weeks to somebody may not seem like a long time, but I like to go out to dinner usually once a week on a Friday or Saturday. And I haven't done it for three, maybe even four weeks. And it just felt so darn good last night, right? Mm -hmm. It tapped into such a basic need that we have as humans, right? As much as we want to be autonomous or independent, we we as a human, we as an animal, as a species also need interaction. We do. We do. We absolutely do. Yeah, we need that. And I suppose for companies now... You know, it is about being conscious of the choices that people have, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody has the choice to go to, not everybody has the choice or not everybody feels safe to meet up in person, Mm -hmm. right? So you Mm -hmm. have, you have different needs and wants and limitations, you know, depending on, on, on where somebody's at with, um, you know, their, their, their medical choices. And I think for companies, it's really important for them to offer options for all, uh, for all situations, right? So one company that I've worked with recently, they had an in-person event at Christmas. They realized that some people on their team, they asked them, some people on their team didn't want to attend or could not attend. Mm-hmm. and they involved them throughout the event. So they sent them all dinner. They sent them all wine to their homes and dinner for their families as well. And then they had like an iPad going around the event, um, which was quite a small event, a small team event. They had lots of different hubs of team events and they had the iPad going around and everyone would like, you know, have one-to-one chat and like pass them around on the iPad. So they got to interact, have fun and everybody was super open. It was the type of team that it worked incredibly well. That's great. So that's a great example of companies being aware of where people are at because everybody's situation is different. And I think that's the way, especially remote companies need to think about it when they're thinking about bringing people together in person. And um, yeah, there's only, there's only so much we can do right now, you know? These are really great points that you're bringing up. And for those of you listening, whether you're working remotely or whether you have a remote company yourself, I think that Shauna is bringing up some great points. And I think this will lead us to really our last point. Um, And I feel like I could talk to you all day, Shauna. This is so interesting. But it's all about starting the communication, right? Maybe you work remotely and you're not happy. And some of the things you're hearing today... um, are triggers for you to want to change, right? The way that that you're working for your company. Um, or maybe you are a company owner and some of the things you're hearing today are triggering you to say, wow, I don't think about that at all with my employees, right? Um, this is all good because what you can do is take some of what you're hearing today and start communicating 
right? And start the conversation. That's always the first step. So let's talk just a little bit. And we don't have a lot of time, so we can keep this very brief. But let's talk about effective remote team communication and collaboration. In your Mm -hmm. experience, you know, what are some of the maybe um, kind of hardships that companies have, some challenges, right? Um, And then maybe you can share an example with us of maybe a client that you helped and how you helped them overcome a a specific challenge Mm -hmm. with this idea of communicating and collaborating when everybody's in a different room, in a different state, in a different you know, place in a different time in their day. So share with us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we're looking at communication and collaboration, so there's kind of two main types that I look at around collaboration. So there is shallow collaboration and there is deep collaboration. So shallow collaboration is what we are doing when we are answering Slack notifications or team messages or emails, or we are in meetings. That's shallow collaboration. We can absolutely do that on an individual level and we can do it on a team level. The same applies to deep collaboration, but deep collaboration is when we have uninterrupted time to get stuck into a project, to work on a project or work on a strategy as either an individual or as a team. So maybe as a team, we're brainstorming, we're problem solving, you know, we're getting that deep collaboration. The mistake that a lot of companies are making right now is that they're primarily focused and stuck in shallow collaboration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're seeing the back-to-back meetings, those high-level conversations, poor quality meetings. People are not getting time for uninterrupted time for themselves. So like deep work, Cal Mm -hmm. Newport calls it. He has a book on that. Um, So deep work, uninterrupted time. And they're not getting time as a team to problem solve, to brainstorm, you know, to work out blockers or to plan for the future. So it's really important that we get a balance in both of those things. Now, in order to get a balance, we first need to look at our synchronous communication. So our communication that's happening in real time. So we need to look at the quality of our meetings and we need to cull the poor quality meetings. So we need to set a standard and a best practice as an organization or as a team. You can do this on a Mm -hmm. team level um, around what a good meeting should include what an agenda should include, what are our meeting do's and don'ts. Um, There's a lot of quick wins we can use. We can reduce the time of meetings. We can send an agenda beforehand so people can be better prepared. Um, You know, we can decide not to have meetings on a Friday because that's when people can do their individual deep work and collaboration. Um, You know, we can make all of these changes to kind of free up more time and space for people so that they can get into deep collaboration. And if anybody needs, I I do have a spring clean communication checklist. Actually, it's coming into spring now. So perfect time to look at it where it just brings you through a checklist of how to work through all of that synchronous communication. That's poor quality. So when we have more time, then we can introduce more asynchronous communication. And to describe this, I'll tell you an example with a client that I worked with. So on their development team, they had a a daily stand-up every day, every morning from 9 a.m. It was supposed to be 15 minutes. The team got bigger. The stand-up grew to an hour. So not very effective. Um, but naturally happened and everybody's points were important and it was the main way the team would communicate and connect with each other and people did like it, but it wasn't the best use of everybody's time. So what we did was we automated that daily stand-up. You can do that in Slack. 
where mm-hmm. a notification goes out to all the team members if you've used it before and they answer in written text their answers to the daily stand-up and they post it in a certain time frame so say between 7 a.m and 10 a.m and what they did then was oh everyone could see everybody else's answers so i knew what you were working on you knew what i was working on and we all knew each other's blockers then they would meet for the 15 minutes which was originally planned for the daily stand-up and they would just discuss blockers so they moved that shallow collaboration to asynchronous ah. and they used that time for deep collaboration to problem solve as a team so that the result being yes. everybody saved about 45 minutes a day um you know on a team of 10 12 people that's a huge chunk of time and everyone was so much more engaged because they were problem solving instead of just listening you know you get bored sometimes when you have to listen to people talk and talk and talk so it was like okay this is the main problem we're trying to solve today let's go okay what are your ideas what are your ideas okay thoughts how could that work so it's that kind of fast pace with it which everybody enjoyed and that's just one example that that one small tweak that we did that made a huge difference for that for that team so that's the way we need to approach it it's like Mm -hmm. Get really granular on each communication that we have. Understand how effective is it? What's the quality of it? What's the objective of it? Is it meeting that objective? Is that something we could move to written communication? If so, how could that potentially work? And there's going to be some experimentation. And sometimes things aren't going to work. And sometimes they're going to work out beautifully. And that's the path that we're on. So it's communicating that to the team, setting that expectation. And a great way to figure out what you need to change is to ask your team. I love that. And that was a beautiful example to illustrate your point. Because one thing that I definitely thought of when you were describing that example is when you get a lot of people together also, um, a lot of times it's not always the best time for everybody in the room. Someone's not a morning person. Someone like doesn't function till they have their coffee. Someone is like, oh, I didn't figure out what I'm going to do. So I don't even know what to say. So I'm not even listening to everybody else. Right. So this example that you shared and the, um, the suggested way to overcome that the solution is brilliant because then people also can read these responses in the right time for them right? When they know they can digest it, when they know they can pay attention. Um, I think that's a big, uh, and I know we have to end in just a moment, but I think that's another big hurdle just in general for remote workers and remote teams is this idea that, you know, the best time for somebody to collaborate may not be the best time for somebody else to collaborate just because, again, someone's a morning person, someone's more um, ready to rock and roll after lunch. Somebody likes to work into the evenings. So that's like a benefit we've all had of working remote is you can, you know, kind of make the schedule work for you. But when it comes to collaborating, there is still that need to, um, to find times that work to work together and companies do need to start to, you know, find better solutions so that it does work best for everybody. So very mm-hmm. interesting. I feel yeah. like we could really talk a lot more about this. I feel like we're really just, you know, scratching the yeah. tip of the iceberg, but I have really enjoyed this talk today. I know that remote workers and remote environments, as you said, as I've read, they're here to stay. Um, we can anticipate, you know, more and more people going remote. Um, we can anticipate mm-hmm. more people being a part of this big, great resignation as they, you know, question their work environment, question what's working for them on a personal level, reevaluate their their mental attitude about things. We can expect more people to want to be remote, to want to have flexibility, and to want to have more benefits 
um, from their company versus just a nice salary and maybe a 401k, you know, mm-hmm. let's end our talk with a fun, I'm all about statistics today, girl, but I was like, this is so interesting to me. I was reading a lot before our show. So let's end with a great statistic to get companies amped about remote workers. Um, because I read that 81% of workers would be more loyal to their employers if they had flexible work options, which includes remote working. Mm. So companies should be excited about tapping into their employees' um, energy and talent. And it's a very small thing to give flexibility, right? It's a small thing to give your employee for long-term loyalty. Mm. Um, So I think that this, even though it's here to stay, and I think some companies have been hesitant, I think they need to consider it a positive, as you said, transformation. And uh, again, as we've said, it's not going anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that is just going to be like PTO, right? Like unlimited PTO, it's everywhere now. So that flexibility, and again, it comes back to something you said at the very start, which is about trust. So as an organization, you need to understand how you build trust, how your leaders build trust and document that get very clear on that and then empower your employees with that knowledge so that they know how they can build trust right and there should be I always think of it like a phone battery you know when you hire somebody it should be at least 50% full right because your hiring process builds that trust Mm -hmm. and how you assess people and then that other 50% is built over the onboarding process and over the first 90 days and it's very clear how that battery gets full to 100, right? So that's what you need to think. If, you, if you're a visual person, that can be a helpful activity to do. That was a great analogy. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a great talk, Shauna. I can tell that uh, your research, your personal research certainly has paid off because you've helped so many clients, including our viewers today, understand more about the benefits of working remotely, how to more effectively communicate with your teams, Um, And you've shared some wonderful examples to illustrate your points. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I want to share our Engage News of the Week um, in just a moment. But I think before that, I'd love to share how our audience can connect with you. Um, On LinkedIn, do you welcome open, open connections on LinkedIn? Yes. Yes. Awesome. You guys can find Shauna Morn and I'll spell her name out for those of you listening on the podcast. Uh, It's S-H-A-U-N-A and then last name Morn, but it's spelled M-O-R-A-N. So you can look for Shauna Morn. And I do believe you're wearing a blue jacket in your photo as well. There is another Shauna Morn. So she she is a blonde if you're not watching our live stream and you're listening on a podcast. And I do think, maybe you want to check, but I think she's wearing a blue jacket. I'm always wearing a blue jacket, yeah. (laughs) And then you can also visit her website. It's www.operateremote.com. If you're interested in looking, um, you know, looking to her agency to help you more effectively um, manage your remote teams in 2022 and beyond. Well, Shauna, before I let you go, every single show, I share what we call our Engage News of the Week. It's a tip. It's a trend. It's something new in digital marketing. And this week, we are sharing an update on Instagram. Are you familiar? And do you use Instagram, Shauna? 
I do. Yes. Okay, perfect. Well, here is this week's digital marketing news of the week. So recently, Instagram introduced link stickers, which is the ability to add links to Instagram stories and an option that is now available to all users. It used to only be available to people who had 10,000 followers or more. So the option is very simple. And what it allows is it allows a user to display a sticker that when you click on, takes the user to an external link. So for instance, a website. This has now been extended to all users as an option in your stories. And what's very unique is you can actually change the text of the sticker as well to be whatever you'd like. For instance, Shauna, your business, your, your website is operateremote.com. Maybe you want to change the text to click here, right? To learn how to manage your remote teams more effectively. I know that's a lot, but mm -hmm. You can totally personalize the text. Um, for instance, with Shopify or e-commerce companies, maybe you want it to say, sign up for 15% off or click here to shop the sale. So this is really cool because now it's allowing even small micro-influencers to promote brands and to give their viewers an easy way to follow through with some sort of CTA or call to action. Have you had any experience um, using these links or any thoughts on the uh, update? Yeah, I think it's a great update because, you know, I think people just are so stuck for time these days, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, if you see something in the story and says link in the bio, are people really going to click out of their stories and into your page and onto your bio and find the link? So I think it's an amazing update. I haven't used it yet myself, but I'm going to look forward to doing that. That's a great, great thought on that. And I couldn't agree more because I've seen link in bio. I've used link in bio so many times. And it seems like a lot of work to click out of what you're doing and go somewhere else. We all know like in today's busy world, time is of the essence. We're all, you know, juggling multiple things at once. Um, so this is a great way to streamline it and get more people to act on your call to action. I agree. Awesome. Well, Shauna, thank you so much again for joining us all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. You have been a wonderful guest sharing so many insights with our viewers. Again, please connect with Shauna on LinkedIn. S-H-A-U-N-A, Morn, M-O-R-A-N, and drop her a note to let her know that you saw her on the Engage live stream or heard her on the Engage digital marketing podcast. And you guys, just a reminder, Shauna's show, if you're just joining us and you miss out on the show and you think that you would benefit from her insights or a colleague might benefit from her insights, we will have her show posted in our Engage live show library. And it looks like this when you go to the page and the web address for that is engage, N-G-A-G-G-E.com forward slash live dash show dash library. So if you're just tuning in and you missed the show in about 24 hours, her show will be there for you to re-watch. Well, listen, Shauna, I want to thank you again so much. I hope you have a wonderful rocking year this year. And it was wonderful to have you on today's show. You too, Marissa. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much and have a great day. What a wonderful guest. So many insights. She's a bright shining light and she has a bright future ahead of her. So make sure you connect with her on LinkedIn, Shauna Morn. Now, again, if you're just joining us, welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence, Ask the Experts. We are finishing up our 2021 series in the next week and our final guest 
for this series, which really is an aim at startups right now. Our last guest will be next Tuesday, January 18th at 3 p.m. Eastern. His name is David Meerman Scott. He is an award-winning author of Countum. 10 books, three of which are international bestsellers. He's a keynote speaker and a leading digital marketing strategist. And he will be here to talk about what we're calling fanocracy, turning fans into customers and customers into fans. Now, we are getting ready to start a new series in about a week. It is going to focus on Shopify. So if you or a colleague has any experience with Shopify or the e-commerce niche, please email me. And my email is Marissa Morgan. Oh, no, it's not. Excuse me. It's Marissa.m at engage.com or connect with me on LinkedIn at the Marissa Morgan. We'd love if you have topic ideas on Shopify or if you have any guest referrals, we'd love for you to connect with, with me. And stay tuned because that series will be starting next Thursday. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for connecting with me here and our guest, Shauna Morn. And don't forget to check out Engage.com for Engage OS customizable module building blocks, all the tools you need to manage your communications and your customer experience for little or no cost. www.ngagge.com. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your day.